So I'm just going to read from Colossians 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom we are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in, in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Well, it is great to be with you again for our second week. And if I haven't met you, uh, hello, and I'd, I'd love to say hello to you after the service. Um, and stick around for lunch. We've got some uh, wonderful helpers cooking us uh, some chicken and sausages and salads. So it's great uh, to share time after the service as well with you. But as we come to God's Word, let's ask Him to help, uh, help us uh, live by it. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we have your word, we give great thanks that we can read it and hear it, uh, and that we can consider and ponder it. We do pray that it doesn't go in one ear and out the other, but that we hear it and we seek to live by it. Amen. Now, this week I've been thinking a little bit about, I've been thinking a little bit about how people have influenced me. How people have kind of changed the way that I am. Um, and, and I wonder if I ask you that very question, how have people influenced your life? What you might say. I'm sure there's a mixture of, they haven't. I'm my own person, thank you very much. I am the way I am. No one will change me. That's who I am. You hear that? People may have changed you for the better in all sorts of manner of ways shaped your life, given you direction, helped you in your vocation. And then sometimes people influence us for the worse. The classic uh, peer pressure in the school playground to um, making bad life decisions because others have forced you into them. You know, so often uh, movies actually reflect this. I realised last night, actually, as there was a whole bunch of movies on last night. There was only one that I really loved, but there was a whole bunch that I was just flicking through and I realised that most of the characters are influenced by someone else. I don't know if anyone's seen The Zookeeper. 
It's not particularly a great movie. It was on last night. Basically, the story goes, it had some funny moments, but basically, the main character is a zookeeper, funnily enough, and as a zookeeper, he can talk to animals, and the animals talk to him. I don't know why, I didn't see the beginning of the movie, but he was desperate to get back together with a love of his life who he was no longer with, and the animals were giving him advice. It's an interesting plot for a movie. But he was so desperate, and near the end it happens, and he gets there, and he's back with this girl, and the girl changes him completely. He becomes a snob. He couldn't be a zookeeper anymore. He, he, everything he loved, he didn't get to do. And he realised he'd been changed just to please her, and he decided, well after he was talking to someone else who really loved him and she said, you really changed. And then a few movie montages later, he says to her, I hate who I am now, I'm going back to who I was. Really influenced. But then there's great movies like The Dark Knight was on last night as well. And the good guys and the bad guys are influenced by lots of people. I mean, Batman himself, Bruce Wayne was influenced by what happened to his parents and the, the people who killed his parents. He had great influence in his butler, who was way more than a butler, who tried to keep him on the right path, but often he would kind of diverge from it. And then you've got all the villains, all the villains who, well, the good of the good, Harvey Dent, um, he was supposed to be the best out of all of them. Well, he gets influenced so drastically by uh, the Joker and losing his loved ones that that influence in his life changed him completely, that he becomes this horrendous villain based on chance. Then there was The Fast and the Furious, but there was no plot or substance to that movie, so I've got nothing to say about that one. Um, But movies kind of tell stories uh, with people. Uh, And that kind of happens in our life. Mentors at work. I can get up and kind of talk to you and hopefully it makes sense and there's some logic to it because I had some great uh, pastors and teachers help me do that. My parents have, have influenced me in so many good ways. The reason that I love sport, and if you get to know me at all, we'll end up talking about sport, I'm sorry, is because my dad was obsessed with sport. How have people influenced you? So here's the thing. The Christian life is about change. There is one person who should change your life. So my goal today is to help us see what type of change Jesus makes. Wherever you're at, whether you're here for the first time and and you really feel sceptical of Christianity to the other end where you've had a lifetime of seeking to follow him and everywhere in between, if you're willing to come with me for a few moments, I want us to see if we can get some clarity on why Jesus should change our life. And this is how we're going to do it. First of all, we have an assumption to make. It's the assumption of last week. When we launched last week, we opened up in Colossians chapter 1 and we saw that Jesus is supreme over all things. He made all things, all things are for him, everything is about him. He is the head of his people, the church, and he actually is the one who gives life through his death. He is supreme. That is the assumption that we have to make today as we go to consider whether Jesus should change us, that he is supreme over all things. It's really worth going back to Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 23, over and over. 
What we're going to do today, though, is we're going to kind of go through three points. First of all, we're going to see that the Christian life is about walking with the Lord. Uh, particularly, you see that in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It's about walking with the Lord. Why do you walk with the Lord? Well, it's our second point. We are already seated with Him. We are already seated with Him. What's that mean? Well, we'll get to that a bit later. But that's our motivation. And then our last point today will be, is He your King? And what, well, what does it look like? What looks different? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these three, uh, these three points to help us see it. So firstly, if Jesus is supreme, if He is Lord of all, we walk with Him as the Lord of your life. If you're wondering what a Christian who says they believe in Jesus thinks, that is what you should think, that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And we see that in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. It's worth us having a look at it. Um, it's up on the screen and you can have um, your Bibles open if you find that helpful as well. Verses 6 to 7 say, So then... Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Can you see there the two things that happen? I've highlighted them for you. We receive Jesus and then we continue in Him. You see, to receive Jesus is to say, He is Lord, He is the Lord of my life, He is the ruler, He is the King, He's the one in charge. Another simple way of saying it is to say, I've become a Christian, that I follow Him. To receive Jesus, to see that He's died for me and I have life because of Him. But that's not the end point. You continue on in that. You continue as a Christian. As you receive Jesus, you continue to live your lives in Him. Yes, that means believing and trusting in Him, absolutely. But not as if it has no change on your life. See, nearly every car trip, honestly, nearly every car trip, we get into a discussion on who do we believe is the best Avenger. My five-year-old keeps on taking us back there. Is it Iron Man? Is it Hulk? Is it Captain America? And we constantly have these debates and we'll all have our very strong opinions. I can see you two are arguing about it already. You couldn't even wait till after the service. Like we, It has no impact whatsoever on our lives. Ethan thinks it does, but it doesn't. No impact whatsoever. But if you have a gluten allergy... And you know that's the case, you believe that's true, the doctors have told you and you think, I'm just going to eat whatever bread I like, I'm going to hoe into a whole loaf of bread after the service, what's going to happen? Not good. When you believe something that's important and it affects your life, you change. And that's what we're seeing here. And actually, it's helpful to see, you might be saying, why are you talking about walking with the Lord? I can't even see it in the verse. Well, actually, where it says continue to live your lives in Him, the the Bible translation we have, it's perfectly good and right to say live your lives in Him because that's what it means. But actually, you can say it just as easily, walk in Him. So, see on the screen, 
there. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him is even a more kind of narrowing in on exactly what it's saying. It's helpful imagery to see it that way. Walking is a very helpful way of seeing our relationship with God. It's not, oh yeah, I believe God's out there, I might come to church once a week and I don't think about it. No, no, no. The difference is, as you're friends with someone and you, and, you, and, you, and you get to know them, you walk with them, you travel with them, you spend life with them. I don't know if anyone ever goes running with other people. Anyone? No? Anyone walk with anyone? I used, yeah, I used to do it. Yeah, you guys do it? It's a great thing to do. I used to walk with, um, down at Trinity North East, Brian Robertson, we used, to, we used to go for a run and we'd try to talk to each other as we were running. It was mostly panting, but we'd talk with each other. And it was something that we used to bond over. Here we see walking with the Lord is about being side by side in life together. In Him. That is His ways. It's not you can walk together but have two totally different viewpoints on life. It's you're walking together in His ways. Now, at some point in your life, you were either the perpetrator or the recipient of what I like to call the distancing dawdle. Do you know what the distancing dawdle is? It's when you may be with a group of people, let's just say it's a family um, with, with a, a daughter who's not in the room at the moment, and you're walking to school and then all of a sudden you're with your kids and you look behind and then one of your kids is about 10 metres behind you, dawdling away because they don't want to be attached to you. The distancing dawdle. I used to do it all the time when I didn't want to be near my, be associated with my family because I, for whatever reason I would just distance myself from them in the walk. That is not what the Christian life is about. We actually walk with God side by side. We don't dawdle or not want to associate ourselves from Him. We walk with Him. See, walking with him, it actually takes us back to the all-ages spot that we had a little bit earlier. The idea of being rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You see, that tree that I showed the kids is what, what's below that keeps it fixed. If all there was to this tree was that picture, it falls over. Being rooted in Jesus is the fixed point of our life that we can never leave. It's where we stay. It is to have roots that keep us stable. We walk with him, never to leave him and his ways. In the, in the book of Colossians, it's actually really helpful because um, what actually happens in verse 8 is... Uh, Paul, the writer, who's writing to the Colossians and, and, and to the Christians in, in Colossae, he's saying to them, I want you to keep focused on Jesus. And there are a whole bunch of people that are not going to want you to do that. So I want to help you understand Jesus is number one and how you live in him and to avoid the other ways. So he goes on in verse 8 to say, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. It's just a little little snapshot into him saying, Make sure you don't leave Jesus. You've got roots. They're Jesus. You don't go anywhere else. 
if Jesus is supreme, it's the point that goes without saying but always needs to be said. Jesus is what keeps you standing. He is enough. The Christian life is not about change away from Jesus. It's about change to be like him. There is always the temptation, there will always be the temptation to try and make things a little bit better. I did Jesus when I was a teenager. I did him as, a, as a, when I was a young adult, when I was at uni. I did Jesus in my 30s, but now I've moved on to something else. I'm still a Christian, but I like to go beyond just the talk of Jesus. If he is supreme and we're rooted and built up in him, he is enough. But why? Why all this bother? Why focus on this? I think it's what we see a bit later in Colossians at the beginning of chapter 3. It's we're already seated with him. We're already seated with Jesus. Have a look with me at verses 1 to 4, chapter 3. You can have a look in your Bibles or it should come up on the screen. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears... Sorry. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We see the beginning of this passage there. Since you've been raised with Christ. Raised with Christ. Now, the great question last week someone asked is that we talked a lot about Jesus being supreme and that he rose from the dead first before all of us. What is a resurrection? Quite simply, what we, learnt, what we will think about a lot coming up very soon at Easter is that Jesus died and rose again to give life that not just so that he died and rose again but that he conquered death so that resurrection brings life into all eternity. And his death and resurrection in which he's still living now means that we can continue to live forever with him. That's the beauty of resurrection. That it's not that just we remember at Easter that Jesus has risen from the dead. He did that so that you and I can be risen forever with him. And so we see in this, in this passage here, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. He is seated, he is ruling. Do you notice the tense? While, while we're not there yet, we see it says, you have been raised with Christ. Not, there'll be a time in the future when you'll be in heaven with him, which is the reality. It's that that reality has kind of come into the world now and is, is in your life now if you follow Jesus. It hasn't been consummated yet. Everything hasn't been fulfilled, but... It's your reality. It's already, you have a seat in eternity with him. The one who is risen, Christ 
is seated in the heavens, you have that. You have been raised with Christ. You see, why walk with Jesus now? It's because the Christian life is about looking to our place forever when we are with Jesus. It's looking into eternity. It's looking into eternity and seeing we walk with Jesus now because we know what is to come. And so we see in verse 3, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We're not there yet. It's hidden with Christ in God, but glory is coming. We are waiting for glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Why walk with him now? Because of forever. That is why. Because we have forever around the corner. So as we see in the beginning again, in verse 1, we see what that looks like. We set our hearts and our minds somewhere. Set your hearts on things above. That is, what your heart is passionate about, what you desire, is God's ways, the eternal picture. That is what should be changing in you, that passion. And that means if your heart is changed, your mind has to change. And so the things that you're living in, the earthly ways that are contrary to God's ways, you get rid of. So you set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why walk with the Lord if Jesus is supreme? Why do it? Because it just makes no sense any other way if he is supreme, if he is Lord. If he did die and rise again, it makes no sense to say yes to that and then think, I can ignore him. And if we do think about it a little bit further, if we ignore the end, if we ignore our eternity, where are we going? How do we get there? If we ignore that, how we walk, how we live changes drastically. You know what might happen? We could start to think, we could start to kind of get a little bit moralistic. We could start to think that, you know what? It's all just about being a good person and seeking to do the right thing but we lose sight on what is the right thing because we choose what's right and what's wrong and not God if we forget where we're seated. If we forget how we got there, raised by Jesus, not raised by Jesus and then I'm a good person and I do all this stuff, raised by Jesus, if we forget that, we'll start to think walking with the Lord is what makes us right with him. And that would be disastrous. Doing good for the sake of doing good without God setting the agenda or thinking we earn our place with God is bad news for the Christian life and for the church. That's why at Grove, we exist by God's grace. We exist by God's grace because he has made it possible for you and I to be in relationship with him without us doing anything. He is the one who went to the cross first. 
in our place so that we can be forgiven. We don't deserve it. But that's the point. So there's a question that remains. There's a question that remains. There is a seat waiting for you with Christ. Do you want it? Is that your seat? You see, he is the king. Is he your king? He has done it all for you so you can change and walk with him today. It would be a great shame today if you went away thinking, I'm just going to try and be a better person. Because today, what we see is that Jesus is saying, I want you to be raised with me. I want you to have eternity with me. I want you to have me as your king. It requires us to acknowledge that. To acknowledge that, well, actually it was by his grace, we don't deserve it, we have rejected him. You see, what looks different? Getting back to where we started. See, what looks different, whether others change you or not, influence you in whatever way, for good or bad, Jesus changes not just an aspect of your life, but your whole worldview. Because you walk with him because you're thinking about heaven. And the goal today is for us to see a totally new way of thinking. To live the way he wants. See, the beauty of Colossians, that we'll get to at some point um, in, in the future, is that it starts as we've started with Jesus being supreme and the need to follow him and live in a, in a way that he uh, wants us to. But then what Colossians does is talks about in details, some details, what that looks like. What your household should look like. How you're to think about freedom. How do you think about all the blessings you have in Christ and, 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 and many more things that are really worth thinking about. And as we finish today, as we consider Jesus as King, I just want to finish by helping us see two examples. Um, not to be comprehensive, but to help us see what we're talking about, how it plays out in life. You see, in, in Colossians um, chapter 3, verses 5 and following, Paul does uh, something where he says, if your heart is on Jesus, you're going to walk with him, you need to do two things. You need to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. You basically need to see stuff that's not God's ways and you just get rid of it. You cast it aside. And he talks to a whole bunch of things in verse 5 and following. And then he goes, well, if you're getting rid of a whole bunch of stuff, that gives you room to put some stuff on. He talks about it in clothes. You, know, you put clothes on. And so if you're going to follow God's ways, you put on his ways and what, what uh, he wants you to be like. And you see that in verses 12 to 14. And I thought we'd just pick two positive examples um, in 12 to 14 to finish. If you see in verses 12 to 14, it's not on the screen, um, you've got it in front of you, but I'll read it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So I want us just to consider that if we are walking with the Lord, if we are going to set our minds on heaven, we need love and forgiveness. You see there, love's kind of like the, the basket underneath, underneath that catches everything. Right? It's the one that if you love God in the way that God tells you, you're doing everything. You've put on all the clothes. It's kind of the summary. It binds them all together in perfect unity. But love requires some thinking. So you can love in all sorts of ways that isn't necessarily great. You could say you love, but be destructive in your love. Be selfish, be abusive, be conditional. Just be totally based on feelings in your love. But Jesus impacts us so drastically when we think about love. We need to think about love in a heavenly way. We need to think about love as that verse on the banner over there says, for Christ's love compels us. Christ's love is what shapes our love. It's uh, when we spent a lot of time uh, trying to get ready for starting Trinity Grove, we've been thinking a lot about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and as we do Easter, one of our talks will be on that passage as, as seeing that. Because Christ's love then gets us to do something. You see, Jesus wasn't just a feely, loving type of person. He didn't come down, the Lord of all didn't become human just to give us flowers and a Hallmark card. His love was on a cross in our place of sacrifice and action so that you and I can have life with him forever. So when we read about love here and that we need to put it on and we're setting our hearts to heaven, we're thinking about that. That's the type of love that you and I should have. And Christ's love compels us. It's not, oh, that's lovely that he's done that for me. It pushes me out into the world. It compels me to want to share Jesus. It compels me to want to be like Jesus. That is how he can influence us. A totally revolutionary way of thinking about love. And lastly, uh, in that passage... There's so much to think about with forgiveness, isn't there? It's not an easy topic. If I was just to tell you to forgive someone, I reckon you could probably think of someone right now and think, you're kidding me? It's pretty hard. I can think of about three straight off the top of my head. That's hard work. But if we're going back to Jesus' way and the cross, when did he forgive you? He forgave you when you, well, were bitter to him, held grudges against him, maybe just ignored him, didn't give him your time. That's when he offers his forgiveness to you. Not when you turn to him. He went to the cross and says, I forgive you. That shapes our forgiveness. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's how you walk with the Lord. And I reckon there are times in our life when walking with the Lord means when we need to forgive, then walking with Him will mean we need to talk to Him about it.
we need to ask him, help me with that, change my heart. This is really hard. I don't understand why this has happened. It's crazy big what's going on. And we need him to transform us. See, no longer can we say, I'll never forgive. It's not in the Christian vocabulary. It just can't be. Imagine if Jesus said that. We would not be here. We will have times where a new church, when we will get make things wrong, we'll just make mistakes. I'm probably going to offend you. You're going to say something to someone and it might be rude and you didn't even know it. How are you going to respond to that? Sometimes as we're setting things up and we're under lots of pressure and we're trying to get heaps done and do things well and welcome new people and we're desperate to welcome people and make them feel part of us, that maybe we just are rude. Are we going to be forgiving to each other or not? Is it going to be the character of who we are? Are we going to walk with the Lord? See, do you want people to influence your life? Eh, it can be helpful sometimes, can't it? But if Jesus is the supreme one, the Lord of all, he needs to influence you so drastically that you walk with him with your eyes focused on heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that you have given us life in your Son. As your people here at Trinity Grove, we ask that we will walk with you day in, day out, week in, week out. Sunday as we gather together, help us to walk with you not to earn your favour, but because we long to see eternity. To be seated with you, the Lord of all, how glorious that is. Father, help us to understand how to walk with you more and more as together we open your word and we seek to be changed by it. Amen.